Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Sarah McDonald, that would be you. Hello, hello, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello, hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, all things Super Bowl, from the two moments that gave us the ick, to Usher's halftime show and the Ben Affleck ad that won us over. Then Edward Enenfull went bang with his final cover of British Vogue, Beyonce's made a big announcement, Kim Kardashian has a new boyfriend, and there's a new development in one of the weirdest stories we covered in 2023. But first... Sarah McDonald, how was your week? Hello, I had a good week. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm going to kind of throw out of my week and see if Annabelle did the thing that I requested of her last week. I did do the thing, which was I watched that video from Zara's hens. (laughs) So for those who may not have listened last week, we were talking about silent discos Mm. and how obnoxious silent discos are and how funny they are when you listen to the footage back without any of the music backing you. Have you heard the audio that's about to play? No. You've got it ready. Yes, I've heard it. I loaded it onto the road. We can play it. May I just warn you all, though, that this is far more exposing for me than it is for Zara. <laughs> Zara, you sound angelic. Am I trying? No, you have this effortless... No, don't do that. <laughs> Zara's, Zara has long speculated that if she tried a little bit, she could have been either Margot Robbie or Taylor Swift. <laughs> and tell me, have you listened to this? No, okay. I'm fucking terrified. Am I in it? No, you're not in oh, it. Oh, great. <laughs> you're you're safe. What button am I pushing? Top left, please. And and I am going to pull this down the minute I get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Windows, let the sun illuminate the website. You cannot find the season. Let me show you I don't know the words to any song. Why do you say midnight in here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for Taylor. I don't know. <laughs> I actually wasn't. I'm not ashamed of myself. You sound amazing. (laughs) So you don't know the lyrics to Natasha Bedingfield's Unwritten? Or any song ever. (laughs) I'm telling you, I am notoriously known. Can I just cut? 
cut up that midnight spit and make it our new sound. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty random. Midnight. <laughs> oh, that's great. My week is even better having heard that. Um, I have two recommendations for you. Actually, I'm going to say one and a half recommendations for okay, you. Okay, we'll allow it. The first recommendation I am really excited about. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago I recommended an episode of the Awards Chatter Podcast. Mm-hmm. This is another episode of the Awards Chatter Podcast, but I think it's one of my favourites ever. Ooh. It's an interview with Ben Winston. Oh, I've recommended this before. Have you? Yeah, in Who? the newsletter. I'm so sorry. Who the hell is Ben Winston? Okay, great question. Ben Winston is one of the great TV producers of our time, but he is also best known for being James Corden's mm-hmm. best friend and Harry Styles' best friend. I think I've had this tidbit on the show before that at the very start of As It Was, there's that kid saying, come on, Harry, we yeah. want to say goodnight to you. That's Ben Winston's child. Okay. And Ben Winston is the executive producer of the Kardashians. He executive produces oh. the Grammys. He was the EP of The Late Late Show with James Corden, so he moved across from London to LA with James. Right. They'd both never worked in LA before and really cracked the scene. It is such a good listen. I can't overstate this enough. Just learning so much about how someone actually produces live television he's also effortlessly charming oh my god like yeah. i have a massive crush on him oh which is it's yeah i get what you mean is he a hottie um I'm he sounds him. like he would be oh Do have you, you not get... seen a photo no i have oh, yeah. winston oh he's a hottie oh, yeah. he is he tall though yeah. Not that it matters. Oh, wow. Uh, that smile. Yeah. So Ben also spoke a lot about building the Late Late Show with James Corden. And look, we've told some stories about James Corden on this show, we Michelle. Have, and are. I think it's only fair for other people to hear the other perspective of James Corden, <laughs> his best friend. For balance. Yes, just for balance. But what I found really interesting was when he was talking about how they created Carpool Karaoke and how they got it off the ground mm. and the logistics that went into Carpool Karaoke. Like, I found it so fascinating that when James Corden would drive with the celebrity for Carpool Karaoke, they would have to have a route around LA that had the sun in the back, not the front. So like there was no shadows or anything like that. I might have got that the wrong way around. But I just find that stuff so fascinating and I couldn't recommend this more. Wow. Have you stalked Ben Winston on Twitter? Because I am right now and he's got two flexi photos in his account. His cover photo is him holding an Emmy receiving the award. Yeah. His profile photo... It's a photo of him and the Queen. Yeah, well, yeah, because he, he's a big deal. <laughs> I know he's a big deal, but choosing those two things as your profile picks. But that's so funny because in the interview, he's very self-deprecating. He's oh. like, oh, I don't think anyone will listen to this. No one cares about me. <laughs> and I was like, I care about you. <laughs> anyway, I loved it. I couldn't recommend it more. The second thing I want to recommend is only a half recommendation because I haven't finished it. Yep. I am about half to three quarters of the way through. Of course, I am watching One Day on mm. Netflix. Oh, I need to start. It is really really, really good. If you guys have seen this around, of course, it's an adaptation of the David Nichols book. It has been a movie with Anne Hathaway only 12 years ago. So it's a pretty quick remake, but now it's a TV series um, with Leo Woodall from The White Lotus. Mm. And He's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Um, he co-stars with Amber Kamod, who is also amazing. I love it. It's only a half recommendation because I haven't finished it and I go against my own rules. Yeah, fair enough. I actually need to reread that book. The first time I tried to read One Day, it was a DNF for me. Oh, Did you guys read it? No. I could not do it. And I think I probably tried around the time that the Anne Hathaway movie came out. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it is, it's really strong so far, so I'm loving it. How are you? How was your week? What are you recommending? Before my week, I'll do my recommendation, a little swap. Mm. if that's okay. Nemesis on ABC. And to be self-aware, 
What I'm, is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different for me. I am surprising myself that I enjoyed this so much. So before I get your reactions, I know it's not a typical Michelle Andrews recommendation what is on it? Shameless. It's about politics. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. this is the Malcolm Turnbull Tony yes. Abbott thing. Yeah. This is a documentary series that the ABC has been releasing over the last three weeks. The last episode went up on Monday this week. Every episode focuses on a recent prime minister. The Scott Morrison episode. I mean, I haven't watched the other two, so I just can only recommend the Scott Morrison episode for now. Is 90 minutes long and it is some of the most gossip-laden, dramatic, intriguing, fascinating pieces of television I have watched in a long time. It opens by them interviewing maybe like 20 to 25 people who are on the same side of politics as Scott Morrison, different sides, have just worked with him, been in his orbit, and they all have to describe him in one word and they play it back to back to back, all the different words that are completely contradicting each other to describe this man. And then over the 90 minutes, you trace the controversies of his time as the Prime Minister of Australia. It is such good television. Mitch and I were so tired last night without going too deeply into it. Our power went out at our house. So we actually had to go to my mum's and sleep there. It was like 10.30 at night. We were exhausted. Mum was like, oh, while you guys have a cup of tea and wind down, I'll put this on for you. I think you'll really like it. Watch the entire 90 minutes. We were up until like midnight. God, no wonder you're tired today. <laughs> I thought it was because you had to get, pack your bags and go to your mum's. You were watching TV. It is so, so good. Obviously, if you like politics, I think you'll be into it. But I fucking love gossip and I was there for the gossip and I was so into it. I love it. I do want to watch that. You will love it. Can I talk to you about my week? I need to hear about your week. I'm not going to actually tell you about it right now. I have pre-prepared. I've Uh, done some homework and I've come to the listeners with something. I saw you in the studio putting together something, but I don't know what it is. What What button am I pushing? From the bottom of my heart, I want everyone... To hear this, Annabelle, what button is it? <laughs> yellow button, please. <laughs> There's three yellows. Uh, top left and then move down one. <laughs> this week, something important came to my attention. Something that I need to address here today. Since the 12th of March 2018, you may have picked up some subtle hints that I am partial to Taylor Swift. <laughs> and for the last five years and 11 months, everything has been smooth sailing. In the last week, though, I am afraid to admit we've hit some choppy waters. <laughs> At first, it began with this comment on one of our posts. I love you guys, but Michelle's level of deluluness about Taylor Swift is on another level. It got 164 likes. (laughs) Then someone else commented, I'm struggling with the lack of critique from Michelle. It got 50 likes. And finally, for the sake of culture, please listen to other artists, expand your music vocabulary, thinking only Taylor deserved Artist of the Year, was jarring. To all of those listeners and the many more who liked their comments, I want to say, I am sorry. And also, you are 100% right. Delusional, yes. Basic, Definitely. An uncritical thinker, you you betcha. betcha. (laughs) I could say that we invented pass baskets for this very reason and that I am only abiding by the rules of shameless in picking one celebrity for my pass basket and being loyal to her for six years. But I won't do that. I would never, ever do that. Instead, let me announce that you are right and I am wrong. And for that, dear listeners, I am eternally sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a tough position. There are listeners who are not happy with me. 
And I, as I said in that little package, she is in my past basket and we do have rules on this show, but I know you're grumpy. I know that you wish I was more critical of Taylor. I can't guarantee that I will be. The thing is, this is the problem, right? And I did have to catch myself this week because I was talking to my two sisters, both of which work in healthcare in very demanding jobs. And I was ranting about the difficulties of my job because how do I navigate this Taylor Swift thing on Shameless this week when I love Taylor Swift, but the listeners are angry at me for loving Taylor Swift. <laughs> and, and everyone's over Taylor Swift. And what do we do about it? How do we do that when she's the biggest celebrity in the world right now? And it's my job to talk about celebrity. I had to catch myself because my sister was fresh out of a seven hour exam <laughs> being a doctor. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe my job is actually quite easy. <laughs> yeah, I think our job is quite easy when it's true. The biggest stress of our week was how to address the Taylor <laughs> elephant in the room. And the way we're addressing it is by just talking about <laughs> No, look, I think there's a few things at play here. I thought it was quite funny because that comment about, was it get some more culture into you For or something? For the sake of culture. For the sake of culture. Yeah. I think that was actually targeted at me because I said the only other person that should have won album of the year was Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> I came in and said, scissor. I'm cultured. (laughs) They said, expand your music taste. And I thought, oh, dear. I don't have any music taste. I'm quite open about that. I think I actually said, I can't think of anyone. (laughs) Guys, we've tried to be honest with you all. Basic we are. We are just basic. I just just have no other culture and I am so not actually sorry about that. But the thing is, I do think there's an interesting thing at play here, if I am going to be really honest, about what to do when someone is dominating culture this much. And it's a really interesting predicament to be in. I mean, once again, this was someone that was tiny person of the year she was single-handedly the person that influenced culture the most Mm. last year I would say she's in more headlines at the start of this year than she was at the end of last year Mm. and it is really interesting predicament for people covering pop culture in the news I think one thing I noticed or thought of this week is perhaps we have short memories in that there will always be someone dominating culture that we're always sick of like this is as cyclical as the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I was Think, watching you be like, I wonder what word she's going to um, go for here. Sure, I, remember, as the yeah. I remember when we started this show, it was the Kardashians. Oh my God, People yeah. People would come and say, stop talking about the Kardashians. And it is a really interesting perspective on pop culture because it's like, this, this is always going to be a thing. There will always be someone taking up too much space. But it is our job to continually talk about that. Yeah, and the dichotomy of this job is that invariably the most popular person to talk about will also be the most detested segment to do at the same time. So, right, we've got Taylor Swift. We have put out a scandal series on Taylor. It is our most downloaded series of all time by a country mile. She's the most popular thing. We put up a scandal gallery this week and it got over 10,000 likes. That never happens. But it also got all these people commenting on it saying, I'm so sick of this woman. So it's kind of a tricky one for us. Not the end of the world. Definitely not the hardest job. (laughs) But it is tricky trying to figure out how to do this show serving that audience who really want Taylor and who, in my opinion, rightly so, I want to do Taylor. And we always want to talk about things we're genuinely interested in without pissing off the people who are so fucking sick of seeing Taylor Swift everywhere they turn. Yeah. Which is fair enough. I get that. I get that. And I actually don't want to disrespect that. But I also have to be brutally honest and say, in order to do this job, 
we actually have to keep talking about the things that everybody are talking about. Like we simply wouldn't be yeah. doing our job. If it was Megan Trainer, I'm not a huge Megan Trainer fan, right? Say this is Megan Trainer. This is how I've been trying to work through it this week. To be like, imagine if every time I opened my phone, it was a Megan Trainer song. <laughs> like, <laughs> Megan Trainer <laughs> announcing your album. Oh my god, that Grammys. would be annoying. I would find that irritating. So I need to up with the Megan Trainer. <laughs> it's not hate. It's not hate. She's just not my cup of tea. Okay. Like her music's not my thing. It would have been exceptionally weird given the last six years of me being on this show for me to rock up last week and be like i'm so sad midnight's one given it's my favorite album of all time the funniest thing about this is there was a couple of moments when michelle and i were in meetings <laughs> this week where it would just hit us that like funny taylor things were happening and we weren't allowed to talk about it so for example <laughs> i found one of the funniest memes i've ever found in my life and it was a taylor swift meme and i showed michelle and i said i'm fucking furious and not put this on instagram and then michelle turns to me and she goes well i'm just devastated because the concert is this week and I feel like I'm not allowed to talk about my wedding. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting married on Friday, right? Like I've been looking forward to the Eras tour for so long. We all have. But I feel like I'm looking at my wedding. It's a couple of days away and my groom has been cancelled. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, great. I'm not allowed to acknowledge that it's the best day of my life. So look, I think we needed to address all of that and note as well how fascinating it is in the culture because I also think as much as I made that Kardashians comparison, I also think there's no one that's dominated culture this much, that even at the Kardashians peak or at Kim Kardashians peak, she wasn't everywhere as much as Taylor Swift is right now. In so many spheres yeah. as well. It's like Taylor has now transcended celebrity and music. It's unprecedented times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, we're doing our best to, to wade through them all, the waters. And we would love to sit here and be like, guys, that's why we're so glad to announce today's episode is a Taylor Swift free zone. We won't be doing that because we're about to talk about the Super Bowl. Because the Super Bowl is the biggest story, I will say, of the last week. So let's talk about the Super Bowl. We will quickly start with Travis, Kelsey and Taylor because they also were the biggest headlines from, or some of the biggest headlines from the Super Bowl. I'll just catch myself there in case any sport fans are listening. (laughs) Now... Of course, Taylor Swift was in attendance at the Super Bowl match between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, she was in a box with A-listers. We had Ice Spice, Blake Lively, Lana Del Rey. It was insane. Yeah. Perhaps the most surprising moment of this game was when Travis Kelsey literally ran into and berated his 65-year-old coach, Andy Reid, on the sidelines. You guys have probably seen it on socials or TV. As far as being bad for brand is concerned... This is as bad as it could get, I think. Like, I watched this clip so many times of him berating Andy Reid and knocking him off his feet a little bit, like making him stumble back. And sure, we can talk about white line fever and all those things. There is just no excuse for the way Travis Kelsey behaved in the middle of this game. Well, when we were watching the game, you made a really good point because we were talking about whether anything was going to come from this because it isn't a great clip at all. And you were like, if he loses the game, then yes, we'll be talking about it. If he wins the game, all will be forgotten. I think all is sort of forgotten. As you said, it is quite bad for the brand of Taylor and Travis to be seen having this much anger. And I guess people could look at me and say, well, you're not an athlete. What do you understand? But <laughs> hey, 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 I've seen you at Pilates. Excuse me. <laughs> I played water polo in year 12 and I got a goal once. <laughs> I know a little bit. Um, I just, I, game knows game. <laughs> I just, I do. I think you can, you can look at Roger Federer. You can be a great sportsman without getting angry. Yes. <laughs> It is so true. But like, I don't know why he did this. I don't know how he behaved this way and thought that he would 
get away with it. After the match, interviewers asked him about this moment and he said, you guys saw that? I'm going to keep it between us unless my mic'd up tells the world. I was just telling him how much I loved him. He clearly had this anxiety that a mic would have picked up somewhere, somehow. Well, he was mic'd up at certain points in the game. Like, I don't know if you saw the footage of him and Taylor hugging at the end of the game and we can actually hear what he says because he was Mm. sort of mic'd up around him at that point. So Mm. it would be hard being on that film not knowing... Who can hear what at what point? And I wonder about that anxiety. He was probably yeah. quite worried that because it didn't look good. He wasn't yelling, oh, "I fucking love you, Andy." Like no, no. he was yelling something pretty shit. Yeah, like. it was like, "Get me back out there, coach," but like a bit ruder. <laughs> now, Andy Reid also spoke about this. He said, "There's nobody I get better than I get him. He is a competitive kid. He loves to play. He makes me feel young, but my balance is terrible." <laughs> Obviously, Andy Reid had to say this. Yeah, I 100%. I think it's quite well known that Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey are quite close. All you had to do was actually read that profile recently of Travis Kelsey to know that. I, it's not a surprise to me that he would also protect his player. I mean, mm. for the record, Kansas won in overtime. God, it, it was, was a good game. a spectacular match. I did tell you all this, though. You did. You did. Mm. The fucking Oracle does it again. Do we have a snippet? We of do the have a snippet. Uh, button? Red, right. <laughs> <laughs> May I just say, before you said there are three yellow buttons, there's one and two orange. Oh, well, I've got to say, I guys, from where I'm looking, it looks like it might be the lighting from Let's where I am. Let's talk this off, Mike. All right, red. Yes. Super Bowl ends. Let's say the Chiefs win. Uh-huh. Of course. Well, as you know, Oracle, they Sorry, will win. There's no, there's no reality. As I said, there's one reality and the Chiefs will win. I think our Melbourne concert could be really special, guys. Guys, I think we're going to get a proposal. I think it's crazy. Okay, well, you... you I kept in a bit of extra. Yeah, that was a little extra detail there. Well, yes. I told you that this was going to happen and it happened. And you knew it would. I know. But there was no world. But there was lots of worlds while we were watching the game where it didn't look like they were going to win. And they weren't the favourites going in. We need to make that clear. The San Fran 49ers were the favourites. I know I said in that clip that I think there'll be a proposal. Can I recant that no. officially? I think there'll be a breakup in two months. I think there'll oh. be a breakup in the next, yeah, 45 days. Yeah. Taylor definitely got the ick when the Super Bowl was on. Like, absolutely got the ick. If it wasn't from him berating Andy Reid, it was definitely from the moment he sang Viva Las Vegas for way too long, screamed it into a microphone. Do we have a snippet of that? We do. I cut it a bit. My ears couldn't bear it. (laughs) Please hit green. (laughs) We have so many buttons today. (laughs) How about a little Viva Las Vegas? Viva! Viva! Sorry. If you could hear the volume go up and down, it was because Zara was like, I want less of it. Wait, maybe more of it? Yeah, I was confused. I was trying to play DJ then. I actually hated watching that. It was so embarrassing. Sorry. He's giving me the ick now. Yeah. I went from loving this guy and thinking this is a fairy tale love story to the Super Bowl happening and me being like, this is gross. Yeah, look, I'm feeling pretty fickle generally though. So I've said break up in two months, but if they get engaged you as well, I will also, that. I'm sort of just hedging my bets, <laughs> which is what a great Oracle does. Now we need to talk about the rest of the Super Bowl guys because there was so much that happened. Usher's halftime show, I mean, it was replete with sparkles, rollerblades, Alicia Keys, Will I Am, Ludacris, Lil John. There was a guitar interlude from her. What did we think of that performance? Because I love a halftime show. Yeah, I thought it was shaky. I was a bit of a hater in the first couple of minutes. I felt like the intro song just didn't really hit in the way I thought it would. I would say the second the rollerblades came out, I was so on board. (laughs) I I think it was a weak start, particularly when 
he started singing was kind of like the volume was weird. He was kind of off key. Alicia Keys started singing and had that very shaky opening note. Which has been removed from YouTube. Has Have it? You this? Oh. Yeah, it's been edited a little bit so you can't see it anymore. Also, the levels were very strange mm. on the mics. I mean, which is a bit rich for me considering the levels <laughs> of that snippet before I was playing with quite a bit. But it was, I agree with you, Mish. The start felt shaky. I think it wasn't helped by the fact that just before the performance, the TV came up with a flashing that said, this performance is rated you. And it said, it may cause singing, dancing, sweating, gyrating, possible relationship issues. <laughs> we all saw that come up and we were all like, oh, uh, no. Yeah. I think my favourite part of the performance was about a quarter of the way through where Usher paused his singing to say, they said I wouldn't make it. They said I wouldn't be here today. But I am. Hey, mama, we made it. Now this, this is for you. <laughs> Who said he wouldn't make it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm pretty sure Usher's been a pretty big deal for a long time. Who was looking at him going, you will not? He's also done the Super Bowl before. He came on oh. when the Black Eyed Peas performed. He was like, Someone welcomed onto stage. So who was telling him back then, you'll never do this? It's so funny because when he was announced as the Super Bowl performer, I think I said on the show I wasn't spectacularly into the idea. No. I did really enjoy the performance. I mean, I thought it was just generally very entertaining. I thought it was hilarious. I loved it when he and Alicia Keys were getting a bit sexy together. I thought it was funny. He loves a married woman. That's yeah. the, the trend going around on socials. I was sad Justin Bieber didn't come out. Yeah, 100%. I was also sad about that. I saw reports in Page Six yesterday that he actually did ask Justin Bieber, but Justin Bieber didn't want to do it. Mm. I mean, he hasn't done a whole bunch of performances in the last couple of years. So no huge surprise there. It just would have been amazing. It would have been iconic. Yeah, I, just, I actually thought, to be honest, in total – net positive performance, really impressive to sing and perform on rollerblades. Mm. <laughs> Immediately after I said, as far as Super Bowl performances go, I give this a B plus. It's strong without being Shakira J-Lo level of strong. Yeah, but I liked the spectacle. Mm. I think the other thing we need to talk about, of course, are the Super Bowl ads. Oh, my God. I read today that this was the most watched Super Bowl of all time. Do we have a guess on how many people watched it? Well, I saw something that sounded almost like fake news that this is the most watched television event since the moon landing. Oh, I didn't see that. Did you have have a guess on total figure? Um, No, but I just thought that was a pretty fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) 123 million people watched the Super Bowl. How much do you think a 30-second ad slot cost? You go first. In AUD. In AUD, I'm going to go uh, $13 million. $10.7 yeah. million. Sorry, Annabelle, didn't no, give that's you a chance exactly to guess. what I was going <laughs> to say. What are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> now, that's just the cost to run the ad, obviously. God knows how much the brands forked out on the actual concepts and creative themselves. Case in point, Dunkin' Donuts. They put on like an ad extravaganza featuring Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, J-Lo, Jack Harlow, Charlie D'Amelio and Tom Brady. It was an amazing ad. I think we can put a link in our show notes to this ad if you haven't watched mm. it, especially just like the 30-second ad that ran at the Super Bowl because there are all these kind of little offcuts of videos and skits around it that are living on Duncan's TikTok account. But I think this was amazing for the brand of Ben Affleck. I mean... I think if there's one story we've told about Ben Affleck over the last year, it's that he's always papped being grumpy. Mm. I think that's the story around him. And I think for him to be in an ad that's very self-deprecating and funny, surrounded by some of his best friends like Matt Damon and J-Lo is in it as well. It's great for them. Yeah. This was a bang on move. I completely agree. For the first time in a while, we're seeing Ben Affleck and J-Lo in a very funny, lighthearted 
light. This was just so superbly written. It was a genuinely funny piece of content. I know I sound like a capitalist princess right now because uh, it is an ad. <laughs> That's fine. But I, I was watching this being like, this is actually an incredible piece of content. And for them to say yes to it and lean in and make fun of themselves was such a good branding move. Well, the conversation we kept having was like, how much are these people paid to do ads like this? Like to have a cast like the one we just read out would be so expensive. But then the other part of me wonders if it is as expensive to get these celebrities on board as we think, mm. like a Ben Affleck and J-Lo, because it is so beneficial to them too. I'm not saying they would ever do it for free, but do they need to be drowning in cash to take this opportunity? Mm. I think it's a fun thing to be a part of. I mean, of course we can't ignore Beyonce's big news in the Super Bowl. We're not going to. We've got that in the quick and dirty. It's yep. a story in and of itself. The last ad that I want to talk about is the Duolingo one, Mish. Oh, my God. Duolingo, which is that – you know what Duolingo mm-hmm. is, Annabelle? It's yes. the <laughs> – would Annabelle just not know that? <laughs> I don't I know just, a lot of things. I get it. Because <laughs> Annabelle doesn't prep with us, <laughs> I just like to throw to you in case the listeners are in the dark. If you are in the dark, dear listeners, <laughs> Duolingo is that language app where if you want to learn a second language or a third language, you can download the app and Duolingo will help you. They are known for being unhinged with their marketing, right? Like their TikTok is unhinged. They are very chaotic. They bought a five-second Super Bowl ad and they spent that five seconds showing their green bird mascot getting like a BBL. The mascot's butt exploded And then through the old butt came a new Duolingo bird face. So, (laughs) like a head popped out in the butt. As much as we. I'm so blunt. So the butt explodes. <laughs> Say butt one more time. So the tush explodes. Yeah, that's better. And now the bird has two heads. Two heads. One on the bum like and Like cat on the... dog, if anyone remembers. Yeah, oh, they do. Yeah. The thing is, we don't really talk about like toilet stuff here, but the actual technical definition of this ad, according to the Wall Street Journal, was that it was a blink and a miss it titled Buttception, which features the company's owl duo farting out his own face with the reminder... Do your Duolingo. Now, none of it makes sense to me. I don't understand how any of it has to do with learning a new language, but I'm into it. I'm into it. We're talking about it here. There's a piece where the marketing team explained how they got this across the line. And they were like, it was easier than you think. Our CEO is a bit of a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up after the break, let's talk about Beyonce's big announcement, the final cover of British Vogue and Kim Kardashian's new boyfriend. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five. Today might be the top four. Let's wait and see how we go. The rough and tumble of this, I don't know anymore. I don't know why I went off script because I've lost can my we, way. Can we rewind to the rough and tumble? <laughs> Let's get ready to rough and tumble. I should have been a game show host. Now, the top Four or five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle Elizabeth Andrews, what have you got for me? Our first story. 40 megastars, one magnificent image. British Vogue assembled models, movie stars, musicians and moguls for a once in a lifetime farewell shoot. That is from British Vogue. Edward Enfall has published his last ever cover of the magazine and Oh, my goodness, he went out with a bang. He went out with a huge bang. Now, he pulled together, as the headline told us, 40 of the biggest names in the industry. I love the language that British Vogue used around this. They kept saying 40 of the most booked and busy or 40 of the most booked and blessed. (laughs) 
women in the world, according to Edward, and put them all on the cover. So many people were on there. We had, I'm going to read you a list, but I'm not going to read you all 40. Mm -hmm. We had Serena Williams, Jane Fonda, Maya Jama, Selma Blair, Gigi Hadid, Cindy Crawford, Kaya Gerber, Dua Lipa, Miley Cyrus, Victoria Beckham, Oprah, Simone Ashley, Naomi Campbell, Laverne Cox, Cara Delevingne, Jamila Jamil, Carly Kloss, Gemma Chan, Kate Moss, Irina Shayk, and so, so many more. This cover proved to me that people will always be haters on social media what no happened? matter what. There was a viral tweet that earnestly was saying, these women aren't that iconic. Someone literally was like, I don't really get it. I'm looking at a cover of 40 of the most iconic women and I don't really see any. I'm like, do you see Oprah? <laughs> Are you kidding? I was looking at that being like, that is insane to me. Yeah. This that was, people will still look at this and be like, nah. It was quite funny when we got to work and we were talking about it. And you were like, yeah, but they were all like photoshopped in, right? I and assume I was they'd like, all been shot on different days. No. Yeah. One day, one photo, one frame, they all got in. It was amazing. I mean, in a piece about how the cover came together, Edward wrote, would 40 of the most booked and blessed women, <laughs> there it is, on earth, actually make it to one studio in New York on one day in December to take one image together. He explained that his final cover was a really important one. It was hard for him to decide what was going to encapsulate his time as editor-in-chief. He said, it was clear to all of us on the team that no one woman could or should encapsulate these past few years for the magazine. What we needed was a group to lean into the power of the collective to bring to life what I hope has been a daring, disruptive and evolutionary period in Vogue's history. I think that's bang on. I think it's been daring, disruptive and evolutionary. Mm. I mean, he has been editor-in-chief for six and a half years. It feels like it's been longer. Hey? Oh, my God. He's done so much in six and a half years. It feels like quite an iconic reign. I think he's changed the face of the magazine industry by doing many things, but particularly through his 153 covers. I think some of my favourite magazine covers of all time are his. Yeah. Like there was kind of a video series that they published alongside this cover where these women spoke about their favourite Edward covers and just seeing them pop up, I was like, these are spectacular pieces of art, the Mm. kinds of things that he's created. It's kind of funny. There's still a lot of vagueness around why he's not editor-in-chief anymore where he's going, who will replace him, even though there is no total replacement. Mm. And I thought it was a really interesting exit because I think the rumours, of course, were that Anna Winter and Edward's power struggle was getting a bit too much, so Anna said no more. But for him to pull together 40 megastars is proof of his power. Imagine what he could do next. If he goes yeah. for I know apparently he'll still be involved in the Vogue omniverse in some way. Imagine if he's not, though. Imagine if he goes off and does something with a competitor. He is just so talented and powerful. It's fascinating to me that he's not going to be the editor-in-chief of British Vogue anymore. And I do believe the rumours that that might have something to do with Anna. Our second story, Beyonce announces new album, Act 2, and releases two singles. That is from Rolling Stone. All right, so our Super Bowl news isn't completely done, as we hinted to before. Internet provider Verizon also bought some ad space at the Super Bowl. They collabed with Beyonce and announced her eighth studio album is on the way. The ad for the record was pretty epic, Mish. Yeah. So Verizon's an internet company, like you just said. The concept of the ad, I'm turning into like, what's Gruen? Yeah. Or you Will Anderson. Yeah. So the concept of the ad was Beyonce trying to break 
the internet. Verizon has such strong internet, Beyonce's trying to break it. There's an extended cut that's 90 seconds long. I don't know how much money they put into this, but it's excellent. All the different ways she's trying to break the internet by doing like crazy, amazing things as Beyonce. For example, she runs for president. The very final thing she tries to do to break the internet is say, drop the new music. Yeah. And all of a sudden, over on her Instagram, she announces after this ad goes up, I have a new album on the way. Yeah, as we said in the headline, Act 2 is due March 29. It's sort of the second instalment of her three-part renaissance project. She dropped two singles at the same time as well. They're called Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages. I am quite famous for saying I can never (laughs) listen famous. (laughs) Full stop. (laughs) Do not make that a Um, For saying that I cannot listen to a song and the first time I hear it, get boppy with it. Zara needs... Six to 12 months I to know if she likes the song. <laughs> I listened to Texas Hold'em straight away and was like, I like this song. It's so good. We were playing it out in the Shameless Media office yesterday and everyone was just bopping their heads along yeah. being like, this is good. So from first impressions, the rumours or the news is that it appears to be a country-inspired album, which I'm super into. I didn't realise I was so country until now, I guess. <laughs> Have we seen the speculation that it's going to have a Lady Gaga collab. I did. I am very intrigued to see if this is the case. Obviously, they dropped Telephone so long ago, 2009. 15 years ago, they dropped Telephone together. That music video ends with this teaser cliffhanger that part two is coming. The reason, I mean, there's many reasons, but the strongest one that people are pulling on to think that part two is on its way is that Beyonce uses a lot of visuals of a cab in the desert, like a yellow cab, beat down car in her music video. And people are saying that's very reminiscent of the telephone music video from 15 years ago. Is that her telling us it's finally happening? I would love to see them come back together for a collab. It would be iconic. It's going to be a massive Grammys next year. You've got Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Ariana Grande is releasing new music this year. You've also got Dua Lipa's new album. Mm -hmm. Like you've got a lot of women. I mean... Tell me that's not for the sake of culture. Bring some new names to the fold. There will be so many people behind Beyonce to win this album of the year, the 2025 Grammys. Yeah, I think there's renewed focus on it after Jay-Z's feature at the Grammys. So let's wait and see. We'll see you in a year. We will. Our third story, Kim Kardashian might actually have her own football guy. That is from The Cut. Now, there have been rumours that Kim Kardashian may have been dating Odell Beckham Jr. for a little while now. I think these rumours have been swirling since September. It's now sort of been, I would say, quote unquote, confirmed because they were spotted at a Super Bowl party together. I think before I get into what I would call, I guess, their soft to medium launch, I want to talk about how these whispers haven't built up much momentum for very long. Like, as I said, from September, we've been hearing whispers that Kim Kardashian has a new boyfriend and it's Odell Beckham Jr. And I can't tell if people don't care because the whispers themselves have been really quiet and these two have been trying to keep their relationship on the more private side or if this is even more proof that people are losing interest in the life and times of the Kardashians. Right. So is it A... Kim didn't want us to be talking about this, or B, no one actually gave a fuck to talk about it in the first place. Yes. What do you think? A oh. or B? She thinks, um, she thinks B. I think a bit of column A, a bit of column B. I know that's yeah. a cop out. I think if she wanted to push this and have it in our faces, she would have. Yeah. But I also think these rumours didn't feel very grabby. And mm. I feel that's because people actually don't have a great level of interest right now in the Kardashians. What do you guys think? I... 
I think you're right. I think it's a bit of column A, a bit of column B. Annabelle? I agree. Oh, yes. great. I, um, <laughs> Couple Odell, of fences. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. is notoriously private. If that name is sounding familiar to people, obviously he's a hugely successful athlete. We also touched upon him in our Lena Dunham yeah. scandal series. She had made some really clunky quotes, pretty crappy quotes about him when they sat next to each other at the Met Gala and she copped a lot of heat for that. And when we were retelling that story, it became really clear Odell Beckham Jr. does not dabble in the media. He doesn't really stick his neck out in the celebrity world. So I wonder if Kim started dating this guy who's like, look, I'm just not really that interested in playing the game that has probably been played in all your other relationships. And maybe she actually wants that. I mean, she's had the divorce from hell with Kanye West. Maybe she wholeheartedly is ready. And she had the Pete Davidson stuff, all that drama. She's probably really fucking ready for some privacy. Yeah, maybe for a little bit. I don't think it ever lasts that long, though. I mean, these two were spotted together at the Wynn Hotel after attending, as I said, a pre-Super Bowl party. And that's all we know. (laughs) That's all I've got. (laughs) Our fourth story. Bobby Eltoff's husband, Corey, files for divorce. That is from People magazine. Annabelle, who is Bobby Eltoff? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It's a lovely sounding name, though. We did a segment on her last year. Oh. She is the viral TikToker. <laughs> oh, I remember. She's the viral TikToker turned podcaster with over 10 million yes. followers. She interviewed Drake in July 2023. Mm, yeah, they I had remember. all this chemistry. They did the interview from bed underneath the covers. It was flying, like getting so many downloads, going absolutely nuts on socials. And then all of a sudden, the interview disappeared from feeds and there were all these very strange rumours that Drake had been the one to pull it down for copyright infringement or him having a personal falling out with Bobby. Yeah, it's really funny because the story really didn't make sense at the time. And truthfully, it still doesn't make sense now. No. Well, when the interview came out originally, right, They were in each other's orbit outside of doing this one chat together. Like she was photographed in his VIP area, Drake's VIP area at his concert. Can I read you both something I found from our notes in the episode we spoke about Bobby in last year? We had reported out of nowhere, the podcast episode was scrubbed from every corner of the internet and Bobby and Drake unfollowed each other over on Instagram. Rumors went wild from they slept together and her marriage is now over to this is all a PR stunt for future opportunities together. And then finally, Drake took advantage of someone who is new to this business. So we kind of had three theories. Yeah. So Bobby denied that they'd slept together or that anything had happened, but the rumors kind of persisted. And now months and months later, we have this new development where Bobby and her husband actually have split. Yeah. Here's what People Magazine reported this week. Bobby Eltoff's husband, Corey Eltoff, filed for divorce on Wednesday, seeking to end their marriage. In court documents obtained by People, Corey listed irreconcilable differences as the grounds for divorce. He listed July 4, 2023 as the date of separation, three years and five months after their marriage. I am very curious about this. Given their separation is listed in these court documents as being in July, that is, as I said, the same month of the Drake interview. Yes. That is when it happened. What does that mean? Am I connecting dots that aren't there? Is this just a coincidence? Or does this actually indicate that maybe these rumours have persisted for so long for a reason? I don't know. 
I'm sorry to fence it again. No, no, no. I don't know, but it is strange. I also understand why you'd mark that as the separation date because I know that there are all sorts of rules depending on what state you're filing for divorce in about how long you can be separated for before your divorce can be finalised, la, la, la. So I can imagine, I don't believe that Corey Altoff is marking this date of separation as any kind of shit story thing or to try and stir up rumours at all. Mm. But I can imagine when people are putting... July and July together and the Drake story still doesn't make any sense as to why it was pulled off. People are trying to connect the two. There is a world in my mind, again, obviously don't know. This is me speculating. There is a world where maybe something happened during this interview. Maybe that caused marital problems and she was the one to pull it down. I don't know. Maybe she did that in a panic. Maybe she did it as an anxiety response. I don't know. That podcast interview being scrubbed clean from the internet will always confuse me. And this has just added more confusion. I agree. I actually don't think those two things are related, if I'm honest. I don't think the divorce and the Drake interview are related, but I don't blame people for thinking they are. Mm. Annabelle? I think they are. Oh, I don't know. Right. They just I, my like, gut leans, yes, yeah. it's too The dots neat. are too dotty. Yeah. <laughs> the, dots, the dots want us to connect That's them. poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, our fifth and final story. It's five after all. It's five after all. Just keeping you on your toes. Psych. <laughs> Four or five, it's five. <laughs> Keeping you all on your toes. Our fifth and final story is Rod Stewart has harsh message for old ginger bollocks Ed Sheeran. That is from The Independent. <laughs> this is a this is a you story. Well, this is a quick and easy one. This will take us no longer than a minute. <laughs> it's really important the quick and the quick and dirty. Look, Rod Stewart was interviewed by The Times UK this week and... He just, he woke up and chose violence, I think. now <laughs> Violence against Ed Sheeran. Violence against Ed Sheeran. So he was asked as part, it was like a, a promo interview for his own music, but he was asked to pick his favourite songs of all time and they were having a conversation about what music is timeless and if timeless songs are still being made. And he said, do you mean like songs that will be played in 50 years? And the journalist was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I like what's his name? Oh, fucking great, Rod. Well done. Um, he's British, really talented, and his songs will be around. Um, the journalist interjects and goes, do you mean Ed Sheeran? He goes, no, not Ed. I don't know any of his songs. Old ginger bollocks, Jesus. Then he sings, I'll be riding shotgun. Ah, George Ezra. Yes, I think he writes really tremendous songs. He'll be around for quite a while. George Ezra. He's a wonderful musician. Oh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> well, we're cultured here. We love George Ezra. Yeah, but I also do love Ed Sheeran. We love Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Imagine that. No, not Ed. I don't know any of his songs. Old ginger bollocks. I think we'll be hearing Ed's songs in 50 years. Am I, I agree. crazy? No. None of his recent songs, but, but his Shape ones. of You was like the biggest song oh, of the yeah. last decade, wasn't was it? it? Shape of You was huge. Wait, keep talking. I'm going to look up the, the streaming 18. numbers for Shape Thinking of You. Thinking out loud. They're all classic bops. 1,000%. Look, we can poll the listeners tomorrow if you or say Friday, will we still be listening to Ed Sheeran in 50 years? I was correct. Shape of You is his number one song on Spotify. Three billion streams. 3.7 billion. Take that, Rod. <laughs> take that. And let's hang on just to keep Rod honest. <laughs> let's, look yeah, that's it. let's keep him an honest man. <laughs> <laughs> Rod Stewart. I'm so sorry, Rob. First Rob, of all, Rob, you can't Rod. even get his name right. First of all, can either of you name a Rod Stewart song? Uh, yeah, they're sultry. It's, I have um, no idea. I'm, this is um, I'm a little too young. <laughs> sort of music. If you tell me, I'll say yeah, I knew that. But. Okay. Well, his top song on Spotify is Maggie May, and look, it's doing well. It's got 319 million streams, but it's no 3.7 bill. No. 
The numbers don't lie. The Rod fans will be coming for us. I can't wait. Save the Taylor haters. Distract them. Hopefully the Rod hate drowns out all the other haters. Like a little red herring. Ooh, come here, Roddy. We hate Rod. Okay, that's all we've got time for. We're calling it a day. Thanks so much to our audio editor, Annabelle Lee. Come follow us on Instagram or TikTok. Bye. Bye. Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.